What's up, everybody? We were just having a little bit of fun. We have had a day of technical difficulties. At least one of us, one of us has. So that'd be me. Uh, you want to bring up? You want to bring up what you just showed, Jacob, and and show? Yeah, I can bring it up. <laughs> so we're twenty-five solid minutes late getting started, and we had a Windows update issue going on. So Jordan's in a new. He, he's he's having all kinds of issues this Friday afternoon that we're recording yep. this on, but it's all good. Yep. We have fun. That's one of our core values. Welcome. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, Jordan. Welcome, Jacob's going to spend some time with us today. We got a, a cool episode planned for everybody, and we're just glad to have you here. This is Podco Podcast, episode number 12. I'm not supposed to tell the number, but it's going to be number 12. We don't always tell the number, but it's the Zion Experience, uh, TZE. We've done 12 of them. We've recorded a bunch more. We're, record, we're, we're dropping these about every other week. Uh, in the process, we do somebody's told me a couple weeks ago, it's like, you all must not have anything going on. And I said, uh, quite the contrary. So we, we've we moved the recording of this episode about four times. But here, we we like to get them recorded. And because we do them every other week, and we're getting ahead to where we have some, but it's staying as close to relevant as you can. So this is episode number 12. It'll drop in a week or two. And uh, we're glad to have you back. If you're not a subscriber, uh, go out. You can find us on YouTube. You can That's where the video is. You can see um, see all of us live that way and some of what we're going to share today live, um, not live, but the video recording, or you can go to Spotify, Apple, Deezer, Amazon, wherever there's a podcast, we, our podcast is up there. So subscribe. We'd love to have you. We'd love to have you listen to us and join us. We have a lot of fun doing this, don't we guys? Yeah, blast. I'm sitting in here. I'm stuck. I don't know how Jordan feels eight. about it today. You know, I've, I've got, what do <laughs> we call this? Candy corn. It's time for candy, candy corn, corn, right? Yeah, I called it something you know, totally wrong and different, but no, I've never, I, I've, I've done nothing physical in preparing for this, but the stress of trying to get my computer to work and the frustration has caused me to perspire and sweat. So I'm sitting here worn out it's on a Friday late. We've moved it four times. I was late again, but you know, a <laughs> funny story. I, I was, I was looking at what Jimmy was eating over there and I was watching the podcast. I forget what it's called, but it's one of the comedians, and he's the guy that always has a shirt off, big belly dude. You know who I'm talking about? He's got a beard. Mm -hmm. Oh, he's, he's hilarious. And they're sitting there. They do a podcast. It's him and another guy, and they're sitting there, and he's got one of those big, like, 64-ounce drinks, you know, that you put water in. So they're sitting there in the morning. One guy's drinking coffee. Another guy takes a big drink, and he's like, let me get a drink of Kool-Aid. And he's like, what? He's like, yeah, I love Kool-Aid. So it is 64 hours. This is a grown man. He had red Kool-Aid. The guy poured it out. They lost it because he's like, everyone's over here thinking you're drinking water and you're drinking Kool-Aid as you walk past all these people. So 64, he has does two of them, 128 ounces of red Kool-Aid a day. Wow. So I might start doing that. Get on that train. Kids, kids love Kool-Aid, but yeah, we've had to cut great. the sugar back on the Kool-Aid in my house because it was Well, that was the problem. Right. Yeah. Too much sugar in it. Mine like well, blue. Yeah. What's your like go-to drink in the office? Like, if you're in the office, what are you drinking? Who, me? Yeah, both I, of you. I drink a cup of coffee in the morning, and then I yeah. water. I'm usually – I usually drink coffee before I come in because I got to drop off Harper so early. And then I get here, I'll drink water, maybe a Monster every now and then. And then I'll have a cup of coffee in the afternoon, depending on the day. Like right now, I could use a cup of coffee. Cold brew would be good because I'm hot. 
and then uh, water. But that's about it. You know, I think the Athens office should be sponsored by Coke Zero. The amount of Coke Zero <laughs> you go through is insane. I love Coke well, Zero. Hold on now. When we were down there, what's what's Big Drew got? He's got he has he's got liquid death, liquid death, and uh, right and bubbly. Tell you what though? You what? We were talking about this. Go. We've got I've got a young lady that helps keep the office clean here, and she takes care of our snacks. And we've got a couple people that got sweet tooths in this office, <laughs> and we're constantly mixing it up of what's going in, what's going out. And this, we, we broke out the Halloween candy last week and I was gone for a few days. It was gone, completely gone. Like two big tubs of Halloween candy, Reese's, Hershey's, a little, what we call it, candy corn and the little candy pumpkins, Skittles, gone. Totally gone. And the best Except part is you soft, batch, soft batch chocolate chip cookies. We've got a little cookie jar. She fills up, and they it doesn't last. And Jordan, you know who's got a sweet tooth in here with us? Oh he, yeah, <laughs> he it doesn't last. I go. I caught him with three or four cookies in his hand. And I'm like, what is going on? He said, I have no control, no control, no control. <laughs> but yet you keep putting stuff out. It's like Jake was sitting here today, and he's like, uh, you have He's like, I almost broke down today. I almost got a pop, a soda. He's like, I had, to, I, had to, I had to call Ellie, who's his wife, and have her talk me down because I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to I'm gonna drink one. I'm going to do it. I'm like, well, you know what sounds pretty good as a Mountain Dew? He's like, oh, that's it. That's what does it for me. So I said, Monday morning, I'm coming in with a Mountain Dew. Bring him gonna, a circle pop or a polar pop. Bring yeah. him a big old polar pop just have it on his desk. Right, yeah. Yeah. Here you go. Is he I'll on a diet or is he not doing coke? I think or he's what? just cutting back on them because uh, he would drink them – not a lot, but every day, you know, and so he's yeah. just two months he's gone without one, and he almost broke down today, but he had himself a couple liquid deaths. I didn't know they had different flavors, but they had yeah. a, a green one that Drew gets, and he had like a red one or something, or yeah. brown or something, different color. They have but, um iced tea as well. The iced tea is spectacular. It's iced so tea. Good. Yeah. It, That's what you should have got in a can. Favorite yeah. favorite snack. What's your what's your weakness snack, Jacob? Oh, that's a good question. In the office, we had these fig bars. Oh, just general. General. What's your uh, what's general, your weakness snack? Sun chips. Sun chips. Garden okay. salsa sun chips. Yeah. I love some sun chips. Jordan. I don't I don't snack. Um I'd say when I do, I'm trying to think. I like, you know, you know what I will eat is summer. She's, she's got celiac, so she's got gluten-free stuff. And they have these gluten-free crackers. That's like sea salt and something. And when she gets those out, I, I quickly take those from her, and I'll enjoy eating those. But that's really about it. I don't I, – I, I mostly skip breakfast, lunch about 50%, and then a big dinner. That's about my meal intake. No candy, no desserts. Doesn't help my weight, but I just I don't I don't eat much. What about you? Yeah, I, I'm a I'm not a big sweets person either. But if I about the only candy that I really like and that I would get is a Reese's Fast Break. I, I like their the Reese's Fast Breaks. Got a little peanut butter and no. I'm not a sweets hold, person either. I'm kind of like you. No, I, hold on a hold on a second. Hold on, hold on. So we're sitting there. You got candy corn in the coffee cup in front of you. When yep. I was with you at Promat, we're going to dinners. You got jelly beans in your backpack. So what, what, what do we mean? Reese's I'm fast not a sweets I'm, not, I'm not a real big sweets. 
I do. Okay. I have been, right. I've been, we got the Starburst jelly beans. I told you all about those. So I'll make me a little Ziploc bag and I, I've got this fear of getting on an airplane without anything to eat. And so I've always got something in my backpack. If you need a little snack, I've got something in my backpack. So if I don't get caught on a flight for four hours and don't have anything to eat. And See, mine's I water. Know. I always have a water bottle. Before I get on a plane, I buy a water bottle. Yeah. 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 I do that too. I need to get, I need to be better about like a thermos of carrying one of those around, keeping water in it. Cause I'm sitting here and I'm always thirsty. And we got like a little water machine, but we have coffee cups. We put the water in. And it's just not enough. I take it like two drinks and it's gone. And then I'm too lazy to get back up and refill it. So I just go thirsty. Like I could use a water right now watching you drink water. We haven't, I got <laughs> nothing here. We need to pause the podcast. We need to restart. I got to go down and get a couple waters. I'll be back in, in 15 yeah. minutes. Go yeah. get a cup of water. Yeah. We'll get started. What are we doing today? What's the, yeah, what are we so, talking about today, Jacob? Um, Mahita releases a like material handling business trend. So they released their 2024 one recently. So we're going to you know dive into some of these topics and discuss them and what we think about the trends. Are they trends? Um, so we'll, we'll dive right into the first one. Um, I shall read it out and then let's hear y'all's thoughts. So the current economic uncertainty is driven by a combination of global supply chain dis- disruptions inflationary pressures and geopolitical tensions leading to a heightened market vitality and cautious customer behavior. Members should monitor key performance indicators and proceed accordingly. That's a whole lot right there. You know, I I think the point would be the cautious consumer behavior. You know, how how are consumers being cautious here and what what have you seen so far uh, out of, you know, consumers and what do you think uh kind of some of their concerns are going to be in the future i'll take it real quick jordan we'll just we got a, i think there how many of them are there, are there there's a lot we, we probably won't get through all of them huh we probably won't get through all of them okay well, that's cool. like 15 we'll try to just make it quick and quick hitters on this so when i look at this i think it's i think it's constantly something that you're looking at especially the buying behavior when people normally buy the length for us from a systems integration perspective um, and our partners who are selling the products that we ultimately put together and sell, this has been on everybody's mind is just where is this industry? You lean a lot on Mahita also has an ITR economics data that they send out. And um, I think everybody's known it's we're, we're in kind of a little bit of a soft patch for us. We have not seen it, but our we're the size we are comparative to some of the other big, large integrators out there that just, you know, you can't have any, you can't have any soft, you can't have any downturn. I think we've seen people making more cautious uh, decisions. I think they're, they're evaluating. It's not really ROI. They're just evaluating and they're spending their money at different timing now. Um, Used to be peak would drive it. Uh, Lack of labor availability would drive it. But I think there's a third element in now. It's like, I think everybody's kind of watching. What's the inflation going to do? Are we in a recession? What's this 2024 uh, election cycle going to do for the U.S. specifically? The tensions overseas. Uh, You can't ignore what's going on in Russia and in China and just how it impacts the supply chain. So I I think it's certainly a business trend. Has Zion seen an issue out of it? I don't. I don't know that we have. Uh, but I think our cycle's a little different, and 
it's six to nine months usually when you're working through getting a customer. It's well, we we say all the time, Jordan, what six to eighteen months when, but from point of first touch with a customer, not an existing relationship, but first touch to a customer, to you're at a contract. That's a six to eighteen month cycle. So we're kind of right in the middle of that with some of our newer relationships. Uh, but we've landed some contracts. We've got customer signing deals, and but there's definitely we're hearing it from our big partners. We got a lot of partners and they're seeing the soft overall. And um, I don't think you can ignore it. Yeah, and I, I, I'll just add one quick point to that, to that fact, because I think you saw through COVID, some companies really prospered and excelled. And I think those companies are, are taking a little bit of a risk, calculated risk of saying they're not as concerned with the economic client climate purely because they saw how they were able to, to not only you know make it through but excel during a global pandemic. So I think because of that there's some there's some industries and companies that have found themselves in a little bit better position to take good risk to further themselves in the industry and the market due to their robustness through a period that lasted 2 to 3 years in COVID, you know, and I think we're just yeah. seeing the result of some of that with the clients that we have. We wrote, I, I wrote a letter from the president, I think is what we call it, Jacob, a couple months ago that might be a good resource if people are out there looking at it is how can you hedge against this this trend? What can you do? And this this show isn't all about selling who we are and what we do. I mean, that's just part of it, right? We're not on to sell, but get yourself trusted partners was the gist of it. Um, get you, You've got to have some strategy in place. You can't react, especially in this industry. Um, reaction time is not your friend. So you've got to have a long-term strategic roadmap. You need a partner that's going to guide the right change. Uh, that's going to help you long-term and future and see and how you can grow into it. Because if you find yourself reacting or you find yourself trying to quickly react, it's just, you're, it's, it's not a good look. I lived in the 3PL world for a long time and I saw a lot of customers that tried to approach it that way and uh, do yourself a favor, have a good trusted partner like Zion, I'll plug us in and have yourself a good strategic roadmap. Awesome. All right. So we can't we spend can, that much time on all of them. So we can put that in be a quick answer. Right? Well, Jordan's up next. Let Jordan it. go next. All right. Well, we'll, we'll do one. Companies need to take cybersecurity risks seriously to safeguard sensitive data, protect customer trust, maintain business continuity, and mitigate the potential financial and reputation damages resulting from cyber attacks. It's continuity. I'm going to help a brother out. You yeah, I'm not, like you, I'm not like good at words. Word. You know? <laughs> I, I wasn't an English major. <laughs> it's all good. Neither, neither, neither was I. I probably just butchered that. Go, Jordan. What do you think? About cybersecurity, I was looking at the questions. Jacob just blew right over technology impacting the industry. Went right to cybersecurity. I was all queued up talking about artificial intelligence and robotics, and but you know, I think I think with cybersecurity, it is it is we didn't see it in our industry for quite a while. You know, I mean, it's been around for a long time. Um, you, you had the hacks and everything else, but we always looked at ourselves and said we have low risk in terms of what we hold, what we have, um, and it's just we didn't have it really up on our radar as a priority. But I can tell you that recently, in the past, when I say recently, probably three to four years, we've seen the need to have better cybersecurity because of the risks that are certainly posed from people that are out there, whether it be hackers or 
you know, uh, whatever they are. But point is, is we now have customers that are making these requirements as part of doing business with them. And because of that, we've had to go through and we've had to really understand what risk are we at from cybersecurity and, and more importantly, how can we solve it? So we've done things to safeguard ourselves. There's different insurance that you can get to help you with it. Uh, we've gone to all cloud-based versus being server-based, which has multiple layers of protection. Um, we do cybersecurity training. We've got anti-phishing emails. So we've done a lot of things to position ourselves and not find ourselves, a lot of ourselves, in a bad spot where we're locked out of our data or we have money stolen or whatever. But it, but in reality, if you were to go out and talk to five business owners, I would say one out of five, maybe even more, have had a personal experience with some sort of negative impact of not having the appropriate cybersecurity. So my thoughts on that is take it seriously, invest the right amount of money to protect yourselves and your business. Yeah. You know, I, I think as people are going to start taking it more and more seriously, especially, I don't know if y'all heard of what happened in Vegas, you know, MGM uh, resorts got hacked. They're like casinos were down for like four, they might still be down. I know they were down for a couple of days uh, from a cyber attack and it's from someone they got in from a help desk person, you know, and they got in from the back. So it's, um, it's, you're going to have probably more security with internally, you know, who can have access to stuff. Um, and I think companies should definitely take that in consideration too, you know, who has access to what and be cautious of that, you know? So. It's a shame we live in a world that you got to worry about these type of things, but you do. And it's the small percentage that does, uh, Quickly, I would say is, is Jordan, I thought you hit on it. I just quickly would add that Mahita does a really nice job with this for their membership. They do, they were doing quarterly seminars or they did a panel of, of different conversations and topics. And one of them, I, I, the man's name that gave me is it's, it's escaping me right now, but they did a really nice seminar on this. And he just talked through like, how do you, how do small businesses, how do big businesses protect themselves against this and, and what you do and, uh, previous previous employee that we were at, or previous employer Jordan, we had uh, we did have a breach, and um, you know I remember that that wasn't we got it all resolved, it was all taken care of, but took several hours to do it and figure it out, and um, it was through a large bank, so I mean it can it can hit you from anywhere. It's certainly out there. Uh, it's it's not a good look if you are unprepared. So be prepared. Awesome. Moving on to the next one. This one will be a little shorter one. We'll just do one liner from each of you. Uh, labor shortages across all job classifications continue, resulting in ongoing wage pressure. Quick thoughts. I'll go first. I don't, I don't think I'm probably as close. We, we're hearing this from some of our 3PLs. Uh, just they, they are having to react to the UPS just came out, for example, UPS is paying their, their, uh, they just negotiated their Teamsters contract and the amount of money they're paying drivers and they're paying their hourly and their part-time just pushes the pressure. Amazon continues to increase. So we're hearing it, but I'm not, I'm not super close to it to where I feel, feel like I can, I can say anything other than I know what's going on out there, but no additional stats to, to add to this one. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I I would agree with you, Jimmy. I mean, I think we see it in our partners and our customers. I think we've been fortunate enough in, in the business that we're in, the the industry we're in, the team the team that we employ. That I I don't know that we've suffered from it ourselves, but I do think it I do think it is driving the continued investment in research and continuing to advance robotics past um, singular 
purposes, right? So we talk about, we've had a lot of experience um, with humanoids or general purpose robots, GPRs, right? And they're being, they're being really developed to handle a multitude of different tasks. And the reason for that is when you have a singular task that a person can solve in a warehouse, well, if you don't, when you get into peak periods or you have to supplement labor, you get to get more people that can solve that task, but people can float. That's what I'm getting at. They can go from inbound to outbound. They go from picking to replenishment. They can go from loading a trailer to unloading a trailer, right? Well, generally robots in the warehouse today can't. So you have to design them around how much volume you're going to have for that specific element the majority of the year. So general purpose robots are being created and researched and developed to help solve and mitigate some of that pain. So now these robots can be used across various different functions. They truly are a cross-functional robot, which is crazy to think about. But I think you're going to see more of that, right? And um, But yeah, I think our, we ourselves don't have a lot of experience in it, knock on wood. Um, blessed, to, blessed to say that. So, yeah, I think you make a good point. Quickly, we can't do one line, Jacob. We're incapable of doing one line. But I would say when he was saying that, it's like ongoing. Here's my advice, right? One of the things we approach it at as is we give a fair wage to our employees. Jacob, you're one of them, right? And uh, we give a fair wage to our employees. But there's other things besides money that will have people come work with you. And that's why you hear us talking about culture and how you treat your people. It's it's the total compensation is not just the the dollars and cents that you put in an employees, how you treat them, what you pour into them, the culture they live in every day. I think Jordan, that's why we've had success and, and I, uh, I, that we I don't feel this because it's more than a paycheck for some people. Some people it's only a paycheck. I get that. But, and that leads great into the next uh, point is it's, the next Mahita trend is it's essential for leaders to be mindful of workforce challenges, including worker fatigue, lack of engagement, mental health challenges, and low morale. Enhancing organizational culture and offering support when needed is crucial. You know, and I think that's very big, especially with graduates nowadays. You know, I'm only a couple months out of college. Uh, you know, a couple years ago, a lot of graduates like we just want the biggest paycheck we can get. You know, that's all they cared about is money, money, money. And, and you hear a lot of more about graduates like, you know, I'm going to go to a place that I culturally fit. Someone that treats me like a human, you know, someone that treats me like I'm an actual person. They want to hear what I, my input is. And I think you're seeing that more and more nowadays as people are looking for organizations that want them uh, and, of course, are going to pay them. But, you know, the, the pay isn't the only thing like you were saying. I think you make a really good point. There's a lot of things that hit home here. It's like you want, you hear work-life balance. We call it just life balance. Not, I don't necessarily got to throw work in. I mean, your life, life is getting busier than it's ever been. Jordan and I are, are in certainly a season of life where we've got young children and we, we just, it's his, his wife works. Um, it's just life balance is, is you've got to worker fatigue is real. So you've got to be aware of it. You've got to, you got to give people, encourage them to take time off, the right time off. I take a lot. I take a lot of time off. I, but we work a lot too, right? And you got to have it life balance. Um, and you get more and more of this. What was it? Mental mental health challenges. You yeah. never know. This this one touches my heart because I'm I've been blessed. I'm knocking on some wood here. I've been blessed with. I don't have a lot of worries or stresses, anxieties in my life. I've been. I've been blessed. I've got a good group around me. 
I've got good people in my life. I've got good health, knocking on wood. Um, but there's a lot of people that don't look like they're struggling that are really struggling. And so I think it's important to know your employees and know when something's up, know enough when they're not, and just care enough to ask them about it and and just if they need help. So that one kind of hits home with me. And then low morale just like, you know what somebody's having a bad day. Pick them up. Be that inspiration. That's what I try to do. I get a lot of people talk to me about my LinkedIn. It's totally probably out of character for people that would have known me a year and a half or two years ago. And I get the same message that they're just, they're happy to see that I try to be an inspiration. I'm not perfect at it, but I try to put positive messages out into the world. I'm a positive person. I don't do well with negativity. I try to put out positive. And I get a lot of people that just say, you're kind of a, a ray of light. Keep being positive and just, I think it's easy. I think it's hard. You got to work at being negative all the time. I think it's easy to be positive and say, say good things to people. All right, I'm done. Yeah. You know, I had a buddy the other day and he goes, you know, I see Jim's posts all the time. And he goes, I, I comboed on one and I got it right. I was hoping to win a car or something, you know, he, he was messing with me. I was like, you know, you want some Zion merch? I got you. you know? Getting some socks. We, <laughs> we've, we've sent out so many socks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Get him some socks, but tell him the only rule is he's got to show us the socks on LinkedIn. <laughs> You had to tell me which buddy it was. I don't know. Did I reply back to him or did I? I, I don't know. I'll let you know after the podcast. I won't Hopefully blast him on here, you know. Hopefully, I didn't big time him. <laughs> I, don't big, I don't big time anybody. So awesome. We got well, Jordan. He's gonna I, cut you, you know, off. You're gonna let Jordan talk on this one. Well, I, I think it's a tough thing, and I and I say that because building culture is part of what you do. You do it every day. Right. And you don't if you're if you're if you're really committed to it, you don't have to work at it. However, being able to challenge employees to get more more out of themselves and they may think possible is something that we're also responsible to do as leaders. Right. To help in career development and to help them break through barriers that they they think are unbreakable. And with that, you have to balance the mental fatigue, the mental health and uh, the burnout. So there's a fine line. You have to be able to to learn how to push, but not push too far. So you can solicit the feedback. You can have the great culture. And I think some of the things that we do that allow us to do that is, number one, if you have a great culture, naturally your team's going to want to do more um, without being asked. That's number one. That's an engaged employee, and that's really important. Secondly, I know there's been this whole big debate in the past few years of working in person or working from home. I'd say we we have more people we we have a decent amount of people that work from the office and we find that they're really in the office almost every day, and I I personally think that's awesome because I like coming in I like seeing people, and I think you get to talk about more than just business. When we were in COVID, all you talked about was really work. You need to be really purposeful in order to talk about the personal lives, and naturally that can come about when you're in an office setting. So. I think, and then also just team member events also help and collaboration and coming down and seeing each other. We have three different offices. We've all been to each other's offices. We all go down, we spend some time, we get some lunch, we go to dinner. I think all those things are really important and you can't lose sight of that. But I would also say you can't err to the side of let somebody just do what they want to do and don't challenge them to do more than they think they could, right? So that'd be kind of my, my thought of that question. Jordan, Jordan's got a lot better answer than I had to this one, Jacob. <laughs> 
Well, maybe nice you'll get job. it back on the next one, you know? Overachiever. That was a great it, – it, I'm, I'm making a joke, but it was really good. You, you got a really good point there. Awesome. Um, so next question. Larger end users are modifying their procurement process and demanding terms, rebates, and complementary services. This impacts cash flow and poses, opposes a risk to the member organization. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll start on this, Jimmy, uh, and, and roll it over to you. But we've we've absolutely no question about it. You know, I, I'm I'm on our, I'm on our sales and solutions the team that I, that I lead, and so I deal a lot with customers and procurement and rebates, and it's absolutely now uh, present more than ever, right? So we're dealing with procurement on almost a daily basis with all of our customers. We have great relationships with them. They've got commitments from them, but they've got a procurement process in place. Um, we have had challenges of, hey, what can we do from a rebate standpoint? We've worked through that. I think we've got a good solve for that. Um, not going to go into the specifics, but we've got a solve for it. But I, you know, I think at the end of the day, procurement is going to be is going to become and will continue to be a necessary part of business. And any opportunity you go into, you have to realize that and recognize that. So, what does that drive? Well, that drives. Um, continuing making sure you've got the key relationships. You need a coach inside of your accounts to help you with how to get through the procurement process, how to manage your solution. But a lot of times it comes down to price. And a procurement person isn't necessarily going to know the value of a solution uh, over a price. And you've got to be mindful of that. So things that we do is be very creative around how we design solutions, how we can mitigate costs where necessary, but one thing we will not do is put the functionality of the solution at risk. So we will always design a solution that we feel will solve the problems at hand as best as it can. But in competitive situations, there's going to be some nice to haves and you can't always put those in. So my advice to that is you're going to have to learn to deal with it. It's not going to go away. You can't mitigate it. Um, you can build relationships to help you solve it, but just go into every opportunity thinking it's a competitive situation and put yourselves in a position to have, um, the best overall solution via price or creativity or a mixture of the two. Awesome. Awesome. Do you have anything to chime in, Jim, or you want me to? Well, my kids just busted up in the office. So you all saw me texting here and I heard James yell, dad, where he's, so I just, I sent in, I sent in the message to Holly to put them in the conference room till I'm done taping this. Uh, <laughs> I think you answered it well. I, I think the focus here is the larger the organization, the harder this gets. Um, it, the more transactional in nature that that it gets. Um, I, I think procurement at its design has a purpose in a place. I come from a large organization in UPS that used this very effectively. Um, I'm just always cautious to educate some of our customers in this of we're never scared of competition we always go in we don't play it we don't we talked about this on another podcast we don't play the let's add cost and then hope it comes back out in anticipation we try to go in with our best price our best solution and we try to do all the work up front with coaches and influencers and to educate people on getting the best solution <clears throat> and we we're, we're very I think you got to educate your customers on you don't always get the best solution out of that. You may get the best price or what you think is the best price, but ultimately you end up paying more overall for the solution uh, through it's not as robust. You end up taking longer to get up to speed. You don't have a partner that's as engaged. And But we're certainly seeing it. I, I don't think it's 
I long for the days of where, you know, the way I do business is if I look you in the eye and I shake your hand, you can, you know, I don't need a piece of paper. You're going to get what I look you in the eye and shake your hand for. And I think we run the business that way, but that's not the world we live in anymore. And uh, it's okay. I, I think procurement is going to be part of it. You got to evolve as a business. You got to put your best foot forward. You're not going to win every deal. Ultimately, we talk a lot about is the customer's got to be just as good a fit for us as we are for the customer. And so I think when you're confident in that, you run your business that way, there's, there's enough work for everybody. But certainly the larger the larger the customer, the, the more We're challenging and yeah. daunting the procurement processes can be. Let me, let me just add one quick thing to that because the question was really around cash flow and how do you protect your, your business when you've, got, when you've got procurement, rebates, and I think it was complimentary services, yes. right, Jacob? Yes. So you know, the, way I would, the way I would say this real brief is don't look at it as a demand from a customer. Look at it as a value add that you can provide to your, to your customer. Right. Build that into your business. Look for sustainable ways to have some sort of repeatable or annuity revenue um, and really model your business around that being a strength versus a weakness and a demand. Right. And that's what we positioned ourselves to do. And that's why for us, while that might be a trend, we don't see a negative impact from it. We actually see positive impacts as the ability to not only prove ourselves, but continue to be there as a uh, as a service type of approach to all of our various different customers. Good point. Awesome. I think we'll, we'll finalize on this last trend here. Okay. Um, Maybe we have to do two of these, Jacob, because we're only going to get through like half of them, aren't we? Yeah, probably. We can do a second episode of this. Yeah. Um, think Jake, you think Jordan will be late to it too? I'll be early. <laughs> now i got to figure it out. See, look, you've got a nice podcast room set up down there in the Hodgenville office. It looks good. It's set up. You walk in, you turn it on, it's ready to go. I I got nothing. I got to set it all up every time, move the computer <laughs> off the docking station, get the microphone out, get the camera going, speaker going. It's a whole process. So It sounds like y'all need to turn the offices there into a podcast room. Well, I don't have any extra offices for a podcast room. Otherwise, I, t- I absolutely would. New office, uh, well, 100% have a podcast room in it. So excited for that. Awesome. All right. So – Last trend, to capitalize on the demand for automation, the members must understand engineering con... Oh, gosh, guys. <laughs> All right. Really? Complexities. Really? Yeah, yeah, we're going to restart this question. Uh, to capitalize <laughs> on the demand for automation, the member must understand the engineering complexities and the in-house or outsourced expertise required. Serving, servicing these operations is becoming increasingly important and an opportunity for members. Yeah, I mean, I, I, this, is, this is what we do every day. Um, the, it's, everybody has access to the same technologies. Not everybody can put together the same creative solutions and guide the intelligent change. Um, I, I feel like we do really well, um, but it's definitely getting more complicated. Um, customers don't want that. Some integrator models are let me partner with somebody that can help you do that. Meaning a WCS or the software side. We've taken a very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? We've, we've, we've taken an approach to where we want have, we want a lot of that expertise in house. It doesn't mean you got to be the coder, but you better understand functionality. 
you you got to understand what you're doing and what you're getting out because when we tell our customers all the time when we when we're putting in a system when there's pain you've got to be able to diagnose it triage it quickly and get to the port to the root cause and fix because you're going to have those as you cycle we've done a bunch of project delivery conversations and and episodes if there's always going to be issues so you better have the expertise customer calls and then pain they don't want you to be like ah, hold on let me call somebody and then you might get the right person so i i definitely think you're seeing it we've we've certainly with robots and technology jordan we we're i don't know what anybody's truly figured out the after market the life cycle support the customer service whatever you want to call it uh, most of the robotic and technology companies aren't offering that they they don't do that traditionally that's been a service and technician based role that the integrators take on um and right now i think there's a void i think there's a void in the industry of who knows that well and who's going to set that up well especially because the technologies come flying out there's new technologies now the good news is most of it's simple hardware and components so the ability to have to really be super technical to fix the componentry is not as complicated but the software element and how it all works together that that is there's there's some complexity there and um we've got to solve for it i'm not gonna i don't i don't think i'm gonna share it on here but we've got to solve for it we thought through it we know how we're approaching it and uh we feel like we're having success doing that and had success doing it but um that's it that's my that's my two cents on it jordan no i think those are those are all those are all great points and i think we could spend an entire podcast on this one trend and yes. I think it's a great trend, um, and I'm, I'm actually very, I'm pleasantly surprised this was a trend that Mahita was able to see because I think we've seen it from an integrator's point of view for probably a couple of years, but to see it in the industry as a market as, as a non-integrator um, in terms of being a, a Mahita member or, or expert that put this together, I think is is fantastic. And I say that I would love to get into a technical conversation of my why. Um, I, I went through and I spent 30 minutes on it today, but I'm not going to do that here. Don't have time for it and uh, just just not need it. But I think from my point of view, I've changed my tune a little bit. Look back three to four years ago, and I've probably said this somewhere, that the reason you want to get with an integrator is because there's so many different robotic companies out there and how do you know who to choose? Well, I think today that's a little bit easier because there's been some consolidation in the in the robotics industry. And those that are left, the vast majority of them are very capable. Um, I still think you need help of selecting the right one, but I think you can get a good solution from any of them. Is it the best? Maybe, maybe not. But where I'm at now, and the reason I think the expertise is so required is when you look at, I'm going to stick to goods to person for the purposes of automation. If you look at a goods to person system, there's a few inputs that are required to design that system. The whole premise is that it's simple, right? There's not a lot of moving parts. It's not as daunting as designing a system or a warehouse that's got four miles of conveyor in it with all kinds of different diverts and scanners and merges and everything else. And so that's put a perception in consumers or customers' heads that, hey, we can just reach out directly to the OEM, show them what we have, and then we'll get a solution. Well, yeah, you can do that. But one of two things typically will happen depending on the ex expertise on your on the customer's team. One, is this going to be overbuilt? Two, is this going to be underbuilt? Finding that right balance of understanding what your volume is stating, what your forecast growths look like, what assumptions you're making, and then being able to apply real-world expertise and experience to productivities, uptimes, and everything else, that's where the expertise comes in. 
So working with somebody who's been there, done that, has seen the different levels of automation that are available in the marketplace, understand how to protect and solve for forecasted growth is invaluable. And yes, I'm coming from a biased standpoint because it's an integrator and it's what we do. And I think we do a really good job at it. But at the same point in time, people look at an integrator and they're like, well, why would I go to an integrator if I can go to a manufacturer and not pay a markup? And I can tell you with a pretty high degree of confidence that those that do use an integrator for the robotics very rarely will go back and say, man, I wish I wouldn't have used them. And if you did, my guess is it was the wrong integrator. But we've got robotics partners and a very capable people, very capable. But you have to be able to ask the questions and make the assumptions in order to give the information to those companies in order to get the solution that is best for you at that specific time. So please, if you're listening to this, Understand that expertise um, in goods to person, in automation, whatever, even if it does cost you a little bit more, will be so much, you'll be so much better off in going that route and working with a company that understands all the nuances from productivities that you won't ever look back and say, why did I do that? So I think that's a great trend. Um, and I think in terms of the service, I think, Jimmy, you hit it, right? I, don't, I know I spent a lot of time on this question, but I'm very passionate about it is the, the service is something that you have to consider. There are different solves out there for it, but I think, Jimmy, you hit it well, right? So, but those are my thoughts. Get with an expert. Awesome. Those are some great points. Um, so that's part one of the Mahita trends. Uh, we might come back to part two on the, the ones we skipped over. Um, it'd be fun. Yeah. I think it'd be fun. See if, yeah. the, see if the people like this one and what we go out, and then we'll do some more. Awesome. Well, that was ep episode 12. Thank you all yeah, for we'll wrap it up. doing your Thank insights. You nice job. Thanks, Jacob. We'll work on your reading ahead of the next podcast. <laughs> uh, I'll practice that at a time next time. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. All right. All right. Thanks, guys. We'll see you. Guys.